raise your hand if your scripture says favor in the day. It's okay. That's perfectly fine. Because grace means unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. You see, what God does, the way, he's, the way he does it, how in the world is God going to save people? How does he restore a relationship, you know? If you knew all the miserable, bad, dumb things I did in my life, you'd think I was hopeless. Oh, no. I know someone bigger than the problem, you see. God's grace. See, what Jesus did when he died for our sins, he paid the price for sin. And so, therefore... Therefore, God can save everyone graciously. He paid the price. How many people, how many men, I just want to talk to the men for a minute. How many of you men ever went out to eat with another man or something, like for lunch or something like that, and uh, the guy picks up the tab? And have somebody, do you ever feel like saying, yeah, but I'm going to pay the tip? Do you ever want to do that? Because I'm a man. I can pay my own way, you know? Someone picked up my lunch yesterday, I almost wrestled him, you know, for the, for the tip. I've got to pay something here. I've got to show that I'm worthwhile. And maybe we feel that way with the Lord, too, you know? Jesus did it all, but i got to prove that I'm worthy here. Oh, no. He did it all. And therefore, grace in the wilderness. God provides grace, unmerited favor. He saves people just graciously because everything was done in Jesus. And one day, what we have received individually and personally, Israel will one day receive nationally when they look unto him whom they have pierced and mourned for him as one mourns for an only son, Zechariah 12.10. And then as Paul prophesied, and thus all Israel will be saved, that godly remnant will come to faith. Same way, though, God's grace. For it says, I'll pour out upon the house of Israel, inhabitants Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplication. Zechariah 12.10. Same spirit of grace that moves your heart will bring that nation as well. Why grace in the wilderness? Notice, did you see that? Grace in the wilderness? Favor in the desert? Why? The only time you look for it. You know, when everything's going wrong is when you look for, you know, then you say, help! But when everything is going right, there was a day like that. I think it was back in like in 83, I had a day. Everything was okay. But when everything's going right, what's our prayers like? Keep out of this one, Lord. I don't need any of that character-developing experience, thank you. You know, I don't need to grow my, my long-suffering, thank you. I've been praying for the, for the fruit of short-suffering, by the way. <laughs> but, but, you know, when everything, when the wheels are off the train, the train's off the track, everything's falling apart, you don't know what to do. When you're feeling surrounded, you've got to look up. And so, therefore, we cry out for His grace in the wilderness. And maybe you're going through wilderness experience. Maybe you're going through wilderness experience now. God has grace for you in the wilderness. God has grace, unmerited favor, poured out to you in the midst of your circumstances that you might prove His grace is sufficient because everyone, the whole world is watching. <laughs> and therefore, we have grace in the wilderness. That's how He gets it done. i got a better question for you. We know what He wants to do. He wants to restore relationship. We know how He's going to do it, by grace. That's how he does it. Why? Why? How many people here, if the truth be known, have to admit that they are sinners who have offended God at some point in their life? Come on. Take a look around. You thought you were the only one. Take a look. Okay. A couple of people aren't sure, but we'll pray for you. 
just when God gets you to admit that you're a sinner, at that point, He loves you and saves you and pours grace out to secure you. What a great... You know, in all the TV programs, when the police get the criminal to admit they did wrong, they gotcha, you know? They lie, they cheat, they deceive. Anything to get the criminal to admit they did the wrong. When God gets us to acknowledge and honestly just say that we fall short, at that point, He pours out grace. Why? Why? Verse 3. Verse 3 tells us why. Verse 1, what He's trying to do. Verse 2, how He gets it done. Verse 3, why? For it says there in verse 3, And the Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Because he loves you. That's why. Because he's crazy about you. He's desperate for you. It just kills him. It breaks his heart to see you going through misery. He loves you. For God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. He loved it. That's why God does it. And here's the point what we want to talk about this morning. Regarding Jewish people and outreach to Jewish people. You ready for this? Here we go. Because, because the truth of the matter is this. God has us here for a purpose. So some of you are looking at me and saying, Sam, <laughs> you know, I've been a believer for a while. Some of us have been believers for a while. And I still got problems. I still got difficulties. I still got some trials and difficulties and problems and heartache and stuff. I got stuff. How come? Because God has a purpose for you this side of heaven. This side of heaven, you have a purpose for why you're here. You say, maybe I'm here, maybe I'm here, you know, to worship the Lord. What great worship you have in this congregation. Glorious worship, beautiful worship, but that's not it. Because we get to heaven, we'll worship like never before. We get that. This will be just a, the warm-up act for heaven. You know that, don't you? <laughs> that will really worship. You know. You say, well, maybe we're here then to study the Word. Oh, my dear brothers and sisters, we'll know as we've been known when we get to heaven. I won't even want to listen to me in heaven. <laughs> you say, well, what are we here for then? We're here to do what we can't do in heaven. We're here to be his witnesses, his instruments of his grace, to share good news. And therefore, God has us going through issues and problems and trials. Why? That we might show that our lives are not dependent upon our circumstances. The Lord that conquerors through him who loved us. That His grace is our sufficiency. Because we have a whole world that doesn't know where to turn. When their buildings fall, their lives are dashed to pieces. And they don't know what to do. But we are not trapped by our circumstances. We are more than conquerors through them. And so therefore, in the midst of our problems and trials, we get to be His instruments of grace. We get to be His demonstration model of what, who He is and what He can do. <laughs> How His light can shine in the darkness. And so therefore, in the midst of it all, we get to give a word of hope. And life about a God who's greater than the problems at such a time as this. <laughs> he is able to be more than a conqueror through us. And we have the victory. That's what we're here for. And so our friends, our neighbors at school, at work, whatever they're going through, we can understand and identify with them and share with them victory in life when their marriages are falling apart because their best intentions just wasn't enough. When they said I do, they meant it. 
They meant it. It's just that they realized the problem was bigger than their resources. But we get to share with them a word of hope and life in the midst of it all. That's what we're here for. Some of you say, oh, boy, you're leading me down the garden path because I know what you're going to tell me now. Now you're going to tell me that I should go and share good news with the Jewish people living around me. Uh Uh-uh. Because if I do that, someone's going to laugh at me. Someone's going to mock me. Someone's going to give me a dirty look, you know. They'll, They'll whisper about me or something. And I just want to be liked. I just want to be accepted. Well, you're already accepting the beloved. Why in the world should someone want to risk rejection? You're right. Good point. Why should someone want to risk rejection, risk problems, risk difficulties? Why should someone want to go do that? Well, here's the point. What moved the very heart of God to bring Jesus to die for our sins? He loved us. He loved us. That's why. He endured and he suffered, willing to die for us because he loved us. And to the degree, to the degree that the love of God, the love of Christ constrains your heart, to that degree you will be his instrument of grace, instrument of mercy here, and to that degree alone. And fulfill your purpose for being here because we're here to do what we can never do in heaven. And therefore we find fulfillment as we live in his love and let his love constrain our hearts, overwhelming (laughs) all the potential issues of life that we might therefore share a word of life to those who need it. And so therefore we need to grow in the love of God. We need to grow in the love of God. Now some of us are saying, well, why the love of God? Well, you say, what about faith? Faith is cool. I like faith. Faith is good. But it's for here, not heaven. There's no faith in heaven. Did you know that? Here we walk by faith, not by sight. Not there. There's no hope in heaven. Everything's fulfilled. As soon as you're in heaven, you say, I sure hope... Oh, it already happened. I really hope... Uh, it already happened. Everything's fulfilled. But love is eternal because God is love. It's the greatest of these. And we need to grow still more. We might grow in the nature and character of our God and therefore live out his life here. We need to grow in the love of God. Are you growing in God's love? If you're not growing in God's love, you're not growing. I don't care how high you raise your hands when you praise. I mean, that may be good for dunking in basketball, but you want to, you want to demonstrate the life of God. You love somebody. You go love and you share his love with others. You see, you know why? Because we're in spiritual warfare. And we don't battle with the weapons of the flesh. And therefore, the enemy wants to undermine your willingness to love, to make you give in to the flesh, to fear rejection and pain and difficulty and trial, and not to love and not to care. And so therefore, we need to gird up the loins of our minds and our hearts that we might love as we've been loved, might live out the very life of God. You say, how do you do that? Let's take a look at verse 3 carefully now. I want to take just a couple of minutes to appreciate a little bit about God's love. When I grow in that love, if you a little check-off system for yourself, notice verse 3, we learn a little bit about the love of God here. In verse 3 it says, yes, I have loved you. 
Yes, I have loved. I have loved you. Boy, it doesn't get. God's love is personal. I have loved you. The first thing we learn about God's love, listen, is that it's personal. It's personal. God personally cares. Now you say, what's new about that? Didn't say it was new. Just say it was good. And here's the point. As you've gone on in life, how many people and believers in the Lord Jesus for more than five years? Raise your hand. <laughs> Let me tell you something. One thing you may have learned along the way, you ready for this? Not to take it personal. Not to open your heart. Not to let yourself be vulnerable. You see, they can't hurt you unless, unless you open your heart. Unless you really care. And that's all God does is care. He never tries to protect himself. He has no defensiveness. He opens his heart. He's vulnerable to who we are and cares about us. God's love is personal. Are you growing in the personal love of God? Do you personally care more now than you did before? Or have you merely learned how to look spiritual? That you really don't have to care. And therefore risk hurt. I'm not going to let that man hurt me anymore. I'm not going to let that woman hurt me anymore. Is that what you've learned? Then you're not growing. We need to grow more more in the personal love of God. This is what our world needs to see and hear in our lives and through our lives. God cares, and he cares personally. What do the Jewish people need to hear? They need to see that God has not given up. He cares about them personally. He personally cares. He cares about their hurts. He cares about their failures. Because he loves them. He loves them through us. Through us. The Lord Jesus came, and he wept over Jerusalem, Luke 19, 40 to 42. He wept over Jerusalem. Everyone else was cheering, you know. Everyone else said, whoo, it's a party time, you know, his entry into Jerusalem. They're cheering, and he's crying. What is wrong with Jesus, the old party pooper? What happened here? He's the only one who saw it the way it was. Even though everyone was cheering, he saw the long-term situation. He saw that great tribulation. He saw those things happening. He saw the end. He saw people who are getting away with things of the world now and realized their eternal destruction and his heart broke for them. He wept. Right now, the Jewish people are in desperate need of salvation. But you say, well, I don't care. Okay. That's honest, at least. That's a starting point. But let me, let me mention this to you. Listen. If Jesus cares, if he cares and is concerned because of lost souls and because of God's program, the whole thing there, if he cares and you don't care, it's not the Jewish people you're out of touch with. You're not walking with the Lord. You're not in touch with his heart. If he cares, he weeps, he grieves, he does all he can to bring great news to a lost people, and you don't care? Don't go lifting your hands in praise because you're out of touch. When you love as he loves, you'll care like he cares, and the life of God will be manifested in you, and you'll be conformed to the image of the Son, and you'll grow into the maturity and the stature of the Lord. 
when you grow in the Lord? Do you personally care more now? Young man came to our office. Got one of our tracks. He knows our literature on the table. We have lots of literature for Jewish people to help them understand the good news. He got one of our tracks. Came and, you know, young guy, 18 years old, and uh, named Adam, Jewish kid. I said, Adam, where are you living? He said, well, I'm living in the doorway downtown. I said, you're living in a doorway? What are you living in a doorway for? And then his eyes started to well up with tears. And he said, well, my dad, my dad said to me, got real mad at me, and he said, Adam, one more time, and you're out of this house. And then he just about started crying. He said, listen, Sam, with me, there's always one more time, and I'm out. And I shared with him how God personally cares. But that wasn't enough. You know why? Because his father cared for him. But his father is just a guy. Not enough resources for the problem. You know what I'm saying? And so take a look what the verse says here. For it says here in Jeremiah 31 about the love of God. The first thing, it's personal. The second thing, it says, I have loved you. Notice your text. Notice the Bible. What's it say? I have loved you. How? What's it say? How? With an everlasting love. That's how. When he loves personally, he loves perpetually, he never gives up on you. He never gives up on you. That's the point. He has not given up on the Jewish people, though they may have given up on him as a nation. No, he continues to reach out to them with love. Adam, when I shared with him from the scripture, it says in John chapter 6, right? Any man the Father gives to me, I will no wise cast out. I will know. He looked at that, he just started crying, because that's what he needed love that wouldn't give up on him. That wouldn't give up. And that's the love manifested in our life when we yield our heart to his heart. When we yield our life to him. We not only see the big picture, but we care about people, because that's what it's all about. <laughs> that's the big picture. People. God cares about people. And the long-term goal of God's glory, we understand the whole thing, don't we? When we see what it's like. I have loved you with an everlasting love. You say, Sam, no one's going to get this stuff. I know that. I understand. You see the word everlasting? Those who take notes, I love you. You can hold it against me. We say, Sam, ten years ago you said this. Okay, okay, okay. You see the word everlasting? The word everlasting in the Hebrew, olam. In our Hebrew prayers, we say, Olam be'olam va'ed, from eternity to eternity forever. Olam, everlasting. The word olam comes from the root, which means secret or hidden. The everlasting of God is hidden and secret from our experiences. We only know what he's revealed. That's why everlasting is, is from the root hidden or secret. It's the same root for a virgin. A virgin shall be with child and call his name Emmanuel. Same word, Alma. Same root. A woman who's without experience with men. And so therefore the world cannot get this. It's beyond their experience. You know, I got, I mean, I, I got two sons. Well, let me clarify this. I got two wonderful sons. Now, let me make put a real sharp point on this. I got two eligible sons. <laughs> but I wouldn't do anything to hurt either one of them. 
But God so loved this world, he gave his only begotten. That's beyond the experience of, of natural man. But what we share, we share in faith, knowing the Spirit of God is at work to change hearts. And so therefore we share truth that the world may not be able to receive in its flesh. But God can transform the heart and life. That's why we walk by faith. When we share the love of God, we share his love walking by faith. That's how it works. We don't look for the world to ask the right questions. They don't even know what it's about. We share good news and proclaim life and love in the Messiah of Israel. A God who will not give up. A God who cannot give up. And a God who cannot lie. He'll never give up on you. What a great God we have. What glory we give to his name forever and forever. What a great God. He loves you personally. He loves you forever. Notice the last thing here before we close. It says here in chapter 31, it says in verse 3, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Verse 3 says, therefore. Now, if you have a Bible and your translation of the Bible doesn't have the word therefore, just write it in the margin because it's in the Hebrew. Al-Kain in the Hebrew is therefore. It's showing result. Because some of us say, what's all this soft stuff going to get us? You know, love, 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 love. <laughs> That's what it's all about. Forever. That's what it's all about. In light of his personal love, in light of his perpetual love, therefore, in result of that, the result of that powerful love, I will draw you. <laughs> his love will draw us. I've drawn you with loving kindness. That's how he gets it done. That's how he gets it done. He hasn't got a plan B. It's all based on the fact that the love of God will constrain your heart and therefore you'll minister love and life to the people around you, caring for the things God cares for, reaching out with his life. It's all about what he can do through you. His love is sufficient. Because that's what you were looking for when you came. You weren't looking for religion. Your heart was empty and aching for that relationship. That's what the world needs. See, the people who are lost in Islam... It may be a religion of peace, but it can't provide it. Only the Prince of Peace can. What that religion is promising, it can't provide. Only Jesus can. And so it's aching for the very things we have. And if we have any concern, we'll reach out with love and life and good news to those who desperately need to hear it. The same thing with Judaism. Without the Prince of Peace, Israel doesn't need a partner for peace. It needs the Prince of Peace. It needs what the Lord alone can provide. It's powerful. That's what makes the difference. I have loved thee with everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn thee. What's going to... You know, Hezekiah says in the Hebrew, it says in Hezekiah 38, verse 17, the Hebrew says, translated technically is, you have loved my soul from the pit of corruption. I don't know what pit you're going through. What pile you're under. But I know when some great, someone is greater. And he can draw you because he loves you from that pit of corruption. He can draw you. He can make a difference in your love, in your heart, in your life. <clears throat> because he conquered death and changed his lives. There was a, another guy who called the office, a doctor, Jewish doctor, Barney, podiatric surgeon. And... Um, he called the office, said, he said to me, I'm looking for God. I said, funny, I knew he was looking for you. 
<laughs> I said, let's get together. We got together. I said, Barney, what have you done to try to find God? He said, I did everything. <laughs> I did it all. I said, what do you mean? He said, listen, I, I read every book, except it turns out, except the right one. <laughs> Saw all the movies about him. Oh, that, that's good. I said, let me tell you a real simple story of what God has done to find you. How the Messiah of Israel has come. How Ben Elohim, the Son of God, came. <laughs> and he died for sins. And if you'll stop trusting in sin and start trusting in Jesus, you'll come to know God. You say, trusting in sin? Yeah, that's, people don't realize it. They don't realize it, but they trust in their sin. They trust that a lie will protect them or promote them. They trust in those things. Just trust in the Lord, I told Bobby. He said, Sam, that can't work for me. I said, it works for everybody. Why wouldn't it work for you? He said, Sam, listen. That's what he said. He said, because I love her too much. I said, what in the world do you mean you love her too much? He said, Sam, I left my wife and two children to live with this other woman. And if you're telling me I have to repent or turn from, and stop living with this other woman, listen, I love her too much. I can't give her up. I said, Barney, don't you realize it's wrong? He said, ready for this? He said, how can it be wrong when it feels so right? Write that one down. A Hollywood script there, you know. <laughs> Lust can be so deceiving. It can be so deceiving. So he took a look at some obscure scriptures, you know, like, thou shalt not commit adultery. He said, commit? I thought it was you shall not admit adultery. No, 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 no. It's not admit, it's commit adultery. He says, oh. He said, okay, okay, maybe it's wrong, but what can I do about it? He says, I love her too much. I said, that's why you need a Savior. You don't need a Savior to tell you right from wrong. Usually your conscience might even do that. You need a Savior to deliver you from the power and the penalty of sin. <laughs> That's why. And we took a look at some other scriptures. We're more than conquerors through him who loved us. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He looked at that. The Spirit of God touched his heart. He said, I believe. I really believe Jesus can help me. And he prayed. He wept and prayed, asking for forgiveness. Placed his trust in Jesus. Next day he called me up. He was in tears. He said, Sam, it's terrible. I said, what's wrong? He said, I went home last night after I prayed with you. I went home last night. I told that woman I couldn't live with her anymore because of Jesus. I said, really? And Sam, Sam, she left. But it feels like my heart's been torn out. What am I going to do? It hurts so bad. What am I going to do? I said, Barney, listen, the scripture is clear. That if you hurt because you follow the Lord, if you suffer and hurt because you follow Jesus. The balm of Gilead, the comfort of God will be there for you. Let's pray and give it to the Lord. We prayed together. Next day, Friday, call me back. Sam! Barney? He said, Sam, isn't God good? I said, I always thought so, Barney. What makes you say so? He said, Sam, remember that woman I was living with? I said, yeah. Well, because I told her we couldn't live together because of Jesus, she went out, she talked to a minister... And now she's been born again. I said, that's great. Great. He says, Sam, I called up my wife. I said, you did what? I called up my wife. I asked her to forgive me. 
What? What'd she say? Sam, since I left her, she's been saved. And she's forgiven me. And we're going to be a family again. Sam, isn't God good? Oh, Barney, God is good. God is good. You know. Those stories usually end different, but in the Lord there is victory. God can make a difference. He's greater than the problem. Do we understand the day we live in? Are we going to yield our heart, be willing to live for Him and live Him out? Share good news with people who need to hear it because God's grace is sufficient. And we're here. We're here to live our life in love. Let's yield our heart to Him right now. See, bow our hearts before God and yield our heart to Him. It's my custom to invite people to respond to what the Bible teaches. And if you're here right now and the Spirit of God has, has nudged your heart, just nudge your heart a little bit to trust in Him, won't you come to Him? If you're here and you've never placed your faith in Jesus, God wants to pour out His love into your heart. He wants to cleanse all of your sins because He loves you and paid for them all in Jesus. He wants to save you graciously. Right now, He wants to bring you into a relationship with Himself. Won't you place your faith and trust in Him? I'm going to say a real simple prayer right now. If this prayer reflects the need of your life to trust in Jesus as your Savior, just in the depth of your own heart, in the sincerity of your soul, just repeat it with me as a point of faith for yourself. If you're already a believer but it hasn't been personal for a while. Won't you renew, rededicate your life to Him now? Then those areas where maybe even sin reigned, righteousness may be exalted. That you might be His instrument of grace in the midst of your circumstances. Use the same prayer as a point of faith. Dear God, Forgive me for my sins. I'm sorry for all my sins. Cleanse them away through the blood of Jesus, your Son. Fill me.